Welcome to Honey Do You the podcast. Listen, I am so freaking excited. Like I can't even explain how excited I am. You guys have met my adventure bay, Mandy. You met my soul sister, uh, Patricia. But now you get to meet my actual, like, real life blood blood. This is my big sister, Brittany. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so not only is she my big sister, but she is an incredible musician. Like. I can't even explain how incredible she is. She's played the flute for since how old were you when you started? Like fifth grade, sixth grade? Eleven, something? yeah. Eleven. Phenomenal. Yeah, and a educator. Apparently it runs in our family line because me, my sister, and our mother are all educators. I don't know how that happened, but here's we are where we are. And she's also one of the smartest people that I know. Like that is an understatement. Any The only person that can read me for filth is my sister and she has read me <laughs> for filth many times telling me to get my shit together so i'm so excited for her to be here and have this great 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 conversation so welcome are you excited <laughs> <laughs> all right so we are doing the second agreement today we did the first agreement last last episode this one is the second agreement and it is don't take anything personally and i'm going to read a little blurb on the agreement and then what we can do is kind of expand on it and how it affects us and what we think about it. So here is a snippet of the second agreement. Don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. I think... This agreement for me, I keep saying everyone is like the most important has changed me the most, but I think this one has taken the weight off of my shoulders like no other agreement has. How about you? Do you feel the same way about it? I do feel that way um, because when you realize that what other people do has nothing to do with you, that allows you to free yourself of whatever burden you may be carrying that you thought was yours to carry. It allows you to free yourself of the weight. So it is extremely important. And I think that it opened my mind in a major way. So how did I, I'll talk about mine, but I want, I want to hear your thoughts first. How did it open yours? I know both of us have experienced hurt in a lot of ways, some traumas in a lot of ways. How was this, how were you able to utilize this agreement to let go of that burden that you were, you were saying? Well, it did, it, it helped me let go of the burden in more than one way, because in one way you are allowing yourself to, you're not ever passing off a burden or a weight, but you were realizing that you were not required to take ownership of that burden or that weight. You can hold space for whom that burden lies or <laughs> who it really is tasked to. And that is all you're responsible for is holding the space for that person, but you are not responsible for carrying that for them. And on the other side of that, that makes you realize that whatever you do to someone else is a direct reflection upon yourself. Right. So um as as i our aunts like to say <laughs> it forces you to sit in your own shit right it forces you to turn those fingers back in you know and you're pointing and you have these fingers aimed at yourself it forces you to hold yourself accountable right. and i think that that in turn allows you to be a lot more compassionate for others 
because you realize that everything that happens, you are not the context. You are just the content. Right. And it requires and you to think, take ownership, right? Like we can, right. we can say that there was a re I lied because, because he was going to do that. No, you don't know that. Now you have to take ownership for every action that you, you make. And when you have to take ownership and like, you can't say that I did it because of someone else that for me, that realign what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. Cause if you can only, like you said, sit in your own shit, you have to acknowledge all bad behavior, all negative thoughts. And you have to be willing to, it's not like repenting, but take ownership. And I think for a lot of us, it's really, really hard to take ownership of something that we've done that we're not proud of. You know? Well, not, not just that, but things like negative self-talk, right? When, Ooh, talk, yeah. you know, when you talked about being impeccable with your word, but negative self-talk, when you are not taking someone else's words personally, and then you're realizing that what you may do to others is a direct reflection upon you, then you have to examine the true origin of what you're doing yourself. Um, right. Where it's really coming from, you know, where is my behavior really coming from? And that's a part of holding yourself accountable. What is the true cause right. of, of this behavior? And that is, that is eye-opening. Like hearing that, don't take anything personally, but also not taking things personally, you're, you're seeing in these people and their behaviors a mirror. How, how is this reflected in me? And right. how can I change that? And I think a lot of us don't even want to, like you were just saying, being accountable, we don't even want to think about the things that may have caused us to create this kind of damage in other people. It's really, really easy to do something and make an excuse for it. But the hard work, and I know for us, we call it, you know, shadow work, right? The hard work is sitting down and saying, okay, the reason I feel this way, or the reason that I'm willing to do this is because I made some agreement somewhere that said this was a, an okay recourse of action. Where was it in me that I shifted and said, this is now my response. This is how I respond instead of responding in a more positive way, you know? Yeah. So, so as far as let's talk about like, well, I like to put like real world terms onto ideas because for a lot of people, it makes it easier to understand. So one of the things that I thought of, um, in this, the first thought that came to mind when I was thinking about don't take things personally is adultery. Right. in marriages, especially coming from a marriage, I, you know, I had a marriage that ended and adultery was a part of that. Um, and when you're in a marriage like that, it's really, really easy to own, like take ownership of their actions and say, what was wrong with me? Did I, was I not pretty enough? Was I not smart enough? It took me years after being divorced. And I think a lot of conversations with you to say to myself, it had nothing to do with me. I could have been any other woman in the world and that person was just in that space at that time to deal with their own shit in this manner. I was just, I just happened to be there. You know what I mean? Do you feel the same way? And how, how would you expand on that? Um, yeah, I, I agree because like I said earlier, you have to remember that you are the content, not the context mm -hmm. that, everyone comes to every relationship and every situation that they uh, take part in with their own stuff, their right. own capsule of stuff, their own capsule of perceptions. Um, but all of those things, they may receive that stimuli from the external, but all of those things are, 
their own preconceived notions that they have about themselves. Um, but again, all of this is coming from how they're allowing the external world to make them a victim or make them a warrior. Ooh, and, expand on that. That's good. Victim or warrior. Okay, so what? So, what? <laughs> everything that happens to you has nothing to do with you. Even saying that those things that happen to you are going to have some kind of effect on you for the positive or the negative. And you can choose to use those things that happen to you as a means to self continue to self-victimize and make yourself a martyr and mm -hmm. woe is me, I do so much for others. Or you can use those things as fuel and as what they are. Everything that happens to you in your life is a lesson or a blessing. So you right. can say to, say to yourself, I'm going to take this situation and see and ask, what can I learn from this? What was Source trying to communicate to me? Uh, what is the, the, the other perspective? What is, what is the higher perspective? There's your point of view, there's my point of view, and then there's the higher point of view. Right. And so you have to decide, how am I going to use this? How am I going to take this energy or this situation and use it for the good? And right. I think that it's so easy when you take things personally to shirk off the responsibility. It's so easy to allow it to become your cop out, to become your excuse. Well, this happened, this happened, this happened because this person did this or this person said that. But the bottom line is, just like that person made a choice, you can make a different choice. Right. And that that is key. And that is the root of holding yourself accountable is recognizing that you can use every single thing that happens to you in your path for good or for ill. Right. I remember watching an episode, I think it was like Super Soul Sunday. I don't know what it was one of the it was Oprah and T D Jakes. And he said <laughs> one of the things that just aha moment in my head. He was saying exactly like what you were saying about victimization, like looking at yourself as a victim and saying your story in a woe is me mentality, right? We could talk about our hurts and our trauma and our pain, and we could say it with tears and blubbering. I, he did this to me and I felt this way. And it was, I never felt good enough, yada, yada. Or you can tell that story in a way that's a matter of fact. And I think when you transition in the way that you tell your story and that you, you talk about the things that the hurts that you've experienced, you transition it into a, this is what happened. Here's how I grew from it. Here's how I'm letting my own pain help the outside world, build community, teach a lesson, rather than sitting in that victim space of tears. There is no reason for me to cry anymore about anything that's ever happened because I'm no longer in that space. And it, that was yesterday, years ago, right? And there's no reason to look back at it. So was it a part of my history? Yes. But am I taking it as a part of who I am internally? No, I'm not. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I... I feel like without every single thing, good or ill, that happened, and I think this is part of, kind of a part of integrating your shadow, without one, there is no other. Right. Out both the joys, you know, w without the contrast, like uh, Abraham Hicks likes to say, I love Abraham yeah. Hicks. Without the contrast, you wouldn't know what to put in your vault. Without right. those things happening, without the negative, you wouldn't be able to identify 
what it is that you find to be joyful. Mm-hmm. And so without all of those things happening accumulatively to any of us in our lives, we wouldn't be where we are. You cannot become what it is that you're here to become unless you are able to very openly and honestly accept and integrate every yeah. single thing that happens to you. Even the smallest things have the can have the the gravest of of consequences, right? Um, and so I think it's necessary. Is it is it terrible sometimes in the moment? Absolutely. But are all of these things necessary so that we can really ultimately and eventually hopefully embody everything that that we have experienced we can't be a light to anyone else unless we accept our own darkness absolutely and i think with being impeccable it doesn't even have to be the big things that we acknowledge sometimes it's the even the small things somebody can get mad at you on the street right uh what road rage or in a car or and be angry and I always think to myself, man, they're, maybe they're having a rough day. But there is at no moment that I ever take on the emotions of that purple, that person in that action, right? Somebody can walk past me and call me a bitch. And as long as they keep walking, they're fine because they don't have nothing to do with me, right? How they feel in that moment has absolutely nothing to do with me. And I can hold on to that anger about that situation for the next 24 to 48 hours and think about all the things I should have said back or how I should have run their butts down. Or I can let it go and say, you know what? Something's going on. Something's going on with them today. Right. And I hope they're doing okay. Right. And that's, right. I think, yeah. Good. Well, and what I was going to say was, and if, if you do feel some kind of way about it, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you got that some kind of way about it <laughs> and perhaps your response, you know, perhaps consider that your response is really is not related to this, of this person calling that's you more about you than by. it is about them. It goes back to holding yourself accountable and going, okay, so I walk in the house and I've had a long day at work and what I really want right now is a hug from my husband mm-hmm. and he's not getting up off the couch. Right. Man, see, this is what I'm talking about. I come in the yeah. house. I, yeah, I got an attitude. Right? I some love and da 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 and, and not considering, okay, well, he works just as hard as I do. You know, he, he also has a hard day. Um, and so I think that it learning how to see the human in mm-hmm. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not because we have so many expectations out of each other, exactly. don't we? We walk in yeah. the door with a thousand expectations. When I'm going to walk in, I, he better not be doing this. His shoes better not be in the middle of the floor. Can I get dinner made? Like, I know he's not going to do this. I know he won't, you know, and you walk in the door automatically either thinking it's going to be miserable you know what I mean? Or hoping it's going to be the, some alternate universe <laughs> when you know, right. just let, let drop your baggage at the door and just walk in, walk in with no expectations and anything that does happen. is not really about you anyway. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. exactly right. And so yeah. I, I think that's really important is just keeping that, that perspective and not making it all about you. Yeah. And you've been with your man for years, your hubby for years and years. How have you, have you been able, did you start your relationship with that thought process or was that a growth that Uh, has come over time? (laughs) I know the answer to this one. (laughs) Um, You know, Mike and I, we've been together for 22 years Mm -hmm. and 
when you, you know, your perspective on love and and the parameters of a marriage um, are vastly different going in when you haven't really um, learned the true meaning of a partnership. Right. Um, and you come with these preconceived notions of what you've observed in your own families and their mm-hmm. marriages, and you automatically assume, and, and, you know, you come in with these, some, you know, for the most part, we see eye to eye, you know, yeah. but in the beginning, you know, things like um, meals and housework and the dividing of duties and things right. like, you know, we, we, we came, we came to blows a couple of times, right. you know, um, and so, of course, then when you're young, you know, and the whole world's in front of you, this is going to be perfect and it's going to be the right. best ever. And so you have these preconceived notions, then you get in it and you're like, oh. <laughs> this ain't right. Right? This ain't, <laughs> is this I, it? <laughs> this is what we're doing. So, you know, when you're young, I think you do take things personally because you you are, first of all, you're you're not looking inside first at that age, you're still taking in, you're making decisions based solely off of what you see and hear. You're, you're making or forming all of these opinions based off of reacting. And I think when we're young, we're so filled with ego. Like there, it's so, it's only us. Everything is about That's- us. And I look at my, having a, a middle schooler, you know, my, our, you know, your niece is 11 now. And I look at Zoe and I say, they, they, they're, it's inherent. You're inherently self-centered at that age. And that's what you're supposed to be. Like, if you don't get your way, it's about you. And so it's really hard to think about anybody else, but you, (laughs) the world revolves around you. (laughs) You know, it, it changes when you realize number one, that it is not your spouse's job to make you happy. Right. It is two whole people coming together to create something beautiful um, that forces you into a position where you have to start thinking less I and more we. Mm-hmm. So, and then it becomes a balance of I versus we. How can my goals further us in our goals while staying 100% authentic to who I am and what I believe as an individual? Right. And so, uh, but it took years of not being so selfish mm. and not holding my own career goals, my own ambition, because we are both very ambitious <clears throat> in our careers. Mike is very hands-on and I'm the cerebral one. And we are both very, these are the goals. This is what we want. This is what we're going to do to get there. And so once you realize that we can both get where we're going, give equal importance to what we both need. It furthers the relationship. It furthers us both. And so it's not just benefiting one over the other, both of us creating our happiness. Yeah. Happiness. And I'm going to put you on blast for a minute. So we, <laughs> so we know in the four agreements, we talk about like all the agreements we make, like my thoughts about what a healthy marriage is could be completely different than my spouse's thoughts on what a healthy marriage is. Like mine could be a combination of what my parents did, what I've seen in movies and books. I have all these ideas built around 
marriage that I see myself in. And your spouse can have all these other ideas. Now, you and Mike have a different dynamic because he's a great Irish dude. <laughs> and you come from, you're a black woman. So how did you, how do you have, you know, you have your expectations of what a family life is based on our culture and our values. And I know he has his. How do you guys intermingle those without taking anything like saying it's a, it's, it's, it should be, it should be about me. You know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? You know, for, I can say with 100% certainty that the, the foundation of everything in our marriage is mutual respect and understanding everything 100%. Um, and so there has always been an incorporation and appreciation for where we both come from. Um, and I can't really tell you that there is an, even a requirement for me to intermingle or take away or add because that's never really been in question with us. Yeah. You know, um, he come, you know, his parents, you know, I'm a musician, so that's a big one for me. Just, just having a common interest in music and, you know, Mike grew up in North Virginia, just like we did is absolutely addicted to go-go music. It's a hip hop. Mike got soul. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, you know, we got congas and junior bongos and everything in the hallway over here because he'll come upstairs and fiddle on the congos and play go-go beats, you know? And so, <laughs> We just both have this mutual um, respect for the same things. And I think that we both live by doing right by people, no matter who's watching. Right. And so for us, it's just a human thing. It's, it's, you know, I don't know how else to describe it because I never, I've never been asked a question like that. I, I've always just thought we just, We've always, from the day I met him, clicked like that. We just understand each other. And I know how much how pr much pride he has for his ginger beard. And, you know, and, um, and, and he knows how much I just love the world and, and traveling and art and creating. And so I think we just fuel each other's fire because we feed and support um, regardless if it's something we want to pursue ourselves, we are, are each other's number one cheerleader and biggest fans. You know, mm -hmm. he is out absolutely my best friend and has been from the go. Um, and so I think really that's what it was. And maybe that is the key is that we were friends first. Yeah. You know, we were friends for a long time first. He was my best friend from the go. And so I think that is, is key. We just have this silent mutual understanding and, and also, if there's an issue, we communicate, you know, and I, I don't think, waste any time going, hey, fix your face. Right. <laughs> and because y'all have such like a deep understanding of each other and trust each other as friends, neither of you thinks that any of you either would, would intentionally hurt each other. And I think when, if you walk around with the thought in your head, even if it's not your partner, like just random people there's no reason for them to intentionally hurt me, right? Even, and, and he says this in the book, even a murderer, it's not about that. It's, it's, not, it's not about you. It's, it's about them, That's right? Perfect. So understanding that Mike is not going to come in and want to cause harm to you, that is, it makes it easier to say, you know, 
if he's having a bad day, it's not about me. He's not intentionally trying to hurt me. It's something else going on with him. And I got to remove myself from the equation. And I think if we give our partners that grace and extend that grace to everybody around us, your boss at work, a coworker, somebody on the street, a friend that's having a funky day, girl, it's never about you. It, right. Everything that happens is never about you. It's all about them. Just remove yourselves from the equation and make your life, it makes your life so much easier. Like That's it just, a lot of burden and stress off of my shoulders. I know off of yours too. Or you can just completely just remove yourself from the equation. You may have been there, but you're not a part of the happening, right? You just sat in that space. Now, you say it way better than I say it. I mean, and, but that's the beauty of it, you know, and, and that's what I guess they and whoever they is mean when they say, you know, over time you become wiser mm-hmm. and you know because you are able to once you learn how to observe mm. um it, first and foremost yourself you know muji says perceive the perceiver once you are able to even recognize that you may be behaving a certain way then it's so much easier to recognize that it's just a momentary lapse for who, you know, whoever might be delivering that gut punch to you at the time. Um, you know, when you are able to hold yourself, when you're able to nurture yourself, yeah, then you, it, then it's easier for you to extend just that little bit more kindness, just that little bit more compassion to someone else, yeah. you know, but it all starts with you. And I think that's why it's so easy to take things personally, because a lot of people don't yet know how to nurture and love properly love and care for themselves and so everything that everyone else does becomes about them reflection of yeah because it is about you 100 percent. because right. you your stuff is that and you're you know <laughs> and work how out. how can folks start to observe themselves as a third-party viewer like how can people really start to assess their own behavior and think about their reactions i think for me recognize I it started with me by recognizing those parts of my own personality that I don't always like mm-hmm. and so then when you start recognizing that okay these are behaviors that I could do without that I want to shift or this is a habit that I want to break right you know that is part of the key right you know um because when you can recognize it that means you are beginning to perceive it it's becoming less about ego ego is so forefront so thrill so loud so much so that sometimes you can't you can't even notice the stillness the the innate stillness that you come to this place with yeah it's constant i think ego is like the child in you. It's constantly screaming, me, me, me. What about me? Why'd you do this to me? Everything's about me. And if you can shut that part off, you right. know, at some point and remove and yourself from the me mentality. Yeah. Know. And it's, it's easier said than done. But, but once you recognize that your thoughts are not you, yeah, that, that will start to shift things significantly because then you think, where's this really coming from? Right. And this behavior is not coming from my innate and true self 
then the behavior is also not coming from the innate and true selves of those who are acting those things out. Right. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and so we, that, that is a part of the key, but also learning to be mindful, especially if you're not in a position where you feel like you can dabble in meditation, that shifted a lot of things for me. Just me too. Yeah. being still because my mind just, it was just constantly go, going on the same. Go, yeah. and, go, <laughs> and there's no stopping that. Even when you want to go to sleep, it's just constant. So once I started learning how to just be in stillness, when I started recognizing that playing the flute is flow state, that painting is flow state, that making right. jewelry and, you know, dabbling with my crystals and tarot cards and all these things, these, these are all ways for me to hit a flow state and find a place of stillness. Right. It's always in that stillness that you start having these aha moments, you know, and sort of drops the breadcrumb on you and goes, you know, maybe if, right. and it's always this soft, you know, and gentle nudge. Hey. The right. Yeah. It's like, have you thought about this? And it's right. almost like we are constantly in movement. So there's no opportunity for us to really listen or hear our own intuition or our own inner knowing. So when you finally have that time to for, you know, like you said, meditate and, and music and create any form of creativity is essentially meditation because you are in a different brainwave where you are not constantly like going over information. You're just in flow, like you said. And right. when you're in that, you have the opportunity to, to, to listen. I always say like prayer for some people is, is talking to God, right? When you pray, you're talking to God, you're having conversations, but when you meditate, you're listening. That's right. You're listening and you're open and able to hear what is meant for you to hear. And I think if we can slow down a little bit, even if it's for me, sometimes I drive the, in the car, I said on the last episode, with no, no music. I'm just driving to work. And it's muscle memory because I know how to get to work automatically. But I'm, it's so quiet that I have the opportunity to just do the motions and let what needs to come down, come down. Yeah, That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so just learning those things. And I think that if everyone learned, even if they don't want to meditate, to mm -hmm. find those moments that can be a reflective moment, that can be a meditative moment, that they will be able to recognize, first of all, the negativity is not coming from you. It's coming from yeah. your ego. And if you can identify the root of it, rather than automatically attaching that to some external force, if right. you turn that same curiosity within that you will unlock a door of yourself that you never knew existed and really start going, wait a minute, I have some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> and man, is it going to be a doozy? However, the freedom that comes from that, the freedom from knowing that what happens to you has nothing to do with you is life changing. Right. Immense. And I'm saying, and for some people I know, side note, some people say, I can't sit and meditate. I constantly hear the thoughts. Everything comes with practice. As a musician, I know you didn't start playing beautifully the first day. Everything comes <laughs> with practice. That's so right. for anybody that's saying you can't meditate, you can't sit in stillness, you haven't done it enough. You just need to keep doing exactly. it. And it's okay if your thoughts are going. It's okay if everything is, is coming towards you. Just acknowledge them. Okay. And then for me, sometimes if I, if I know my mind is crazy, I'll just tell myself, breathe in, breathe out. And that's all I'll think. Breathe in, breathe out until it becomes that I don't have to think about it anymore. But I am telling you exactly what my sister says, exactly what Brittany says. This is life changing. Imagine being able to take the weight and the ownership 
of anything hurtful that has happened to you in your life off of you. Imagine what that would do for you, your, how your parents treated you, how your relationship with your siblings, your partner, your coworkers, the reason you got fired. Take all of those things off of you and be able to live a life of it's honestly peace, right? doesn't mean that there's no work to be done, but it means you're not taking ownership of anyone else's behavior, even if it hurts you ultimately. You know what I mean? That's just, that's, that's something. Yeah. It is. It is, it is yeah. a freeing thing and, and it doesn't have to be hard. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't have to be a difficult journey. The things that pop up sometimes may be like, whoa, that was heavier than I intended or right. you know, expected to be. But ultimately, I would rather feel it in the moment and let it be intense because it is in the moment that I can acknowledge it, process it, and then release it permanently it rather than hold on to it, allow it to fester. And then it just sits in your shadow and there it is in your closet. And right. it's going to pack pop up and, yeah. and it's not going to be in a good way. Yeah, it comes it, back up in a way you treat people, how you deal with your children, how you deal with your partner. And you don't want to be the catalyst for that. Why recreate these same trauma moments in our own, the people that we love, as opposed to dealing with it internally ourselves. Right. And so no pattern. Uh, that's the key. Like don't create the negative cycle. It is through open acknowledgement and that you are even able to process it in honest, in an honest way and release it. And so that's just what you do. And it isn't until you really start to question, is this the way I'm supposed to handle negative situations? Am I just supposed to bury it and just allow these things to just pile up until I, you know, have to take time off? Or is there a better way for me to move through these situations that happen? And so, yeah, stillness is the way. I and love that. Holding the mirror up to yourself. Every time something negative happens, picture a mirror in front of your face. Is it really about them or is it really about you? Right, right. And I think 99.999% is about to you. Do with you. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you. We got it. We got it. She lives in Texas and you know, I'm on the East coast. So it's hard to, we're not, we're not close by, but I'm like, I miss you. I just want to hang out and do cool things like meditate together and do. Yeah. <laughs> we should go down to Costa Rica. I'm down. Let's go Let's have a party. We'll do a honey. Do you podcast from the, from the, yeah. beach, the ocean? Cause she's always traveling. I don't travel as much. She's on her and her hubby. Or they okay. used to be cruise all the time. They were always on some cruise. <laughs> down in Jamaica. You know how much I love Jamaica. Right. I love you. I'm so excited that you came. Hopefully you had a good time with me. And are you going to come back? Are you going to do this again? Oh, yes, let's do it again. That because I think, I think we could have a great podcast episode because my sister made a conscious decision not to have kids. And I know that is very faux pas for a lot. And so Honey Do You is all about living a life that is undefined and doing what you want. And I think the choice, the decision and choice to have a long-term 22-year relationship and not have, you know, children together. That is a huge choice. So that would be a great conversation for a lot of folks, right? Really, really cool. Yeah. Hey. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I love Thanks. you. I love now, you. Now I got to be like, text mama. It'll be out this week so she can watch it. <laughs> and the aunts, the aunts. We have, my mother has a lot of sisters and they are some of the most powerful women I think anyone will ever meet. They're, the energy and the power in my mother and her sisters is 
I don't even think there's a word for it. There's some supernatural shit going on with them. We get it from my mama. Get it from my I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, since both of us have to get ready for school tomorrow, because we both yes. got to teach. Yes. I'm going to let you go. I love you so much. You're so stunning and beautiful. I'm looking at your face the whole time like this. You're so pretty. Girl, <laughs> hold up a mirror. <laughs> we get it from my mama again. <laughs> but thank you guys. As, as always, remember this. You are inherently worthy. Again, I'm looking at the camera for this. You are inherently worthy. Regardless of what others may do or say about or to you, it has nothing to do with you. Release that. Acknowledge your worth. We love you and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> no.